Good morning. Today's scripture is Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 6. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jenny. And thank you, worship team. Man, little uh, little hymn mashup, right? That was, that was so good. And uh, I'm glad to see you all here and to be here with you together this morning. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm glad to introduce myself. And, and again, so glad that you're here. This, uh, this day is significant for, for us. It's significant for us as Redemption Church. It's significant for Christians as we shared earlier, as, as Keith shared and we read through and walked through the Apostles' Creed. This day is significant, but, but I want to ask us a question. And, and kind of out of the gates, I want to let you know I'll ask a couple of questions to encourage you, not necessarily, though if you do, that's fine, to answer uh, out loud but more to consider, to, to, to kind of ponder, to, to think intros, introspectively as we walk through uh, our time together briefly this morning. Why are we here? How do we get here? It, on this day, they, they, meaning like the smart people who keep track of these things, whoever they are, that there are about 7 billion people in the world. And again, they uh, estimate that there are about 2.2 billion people who call themselves Christians. Christian simply means a follower of Jesus. So about 2.2 billion people around the world on this day are worshiping in some way. In many cases, though we can't really relate with this ourselves, it's under great cost. Potential persecution, potential loss of life, loss of job, loss of family or relationship, and yet still people make it a point to gather and worship on this day. But as we read through the story, what had happened was on Thursday, so just think a few days ago as kind of the the events unfolded, what's referred to as Maundy Thursday. That just means washing. Because on that, on that day, Jesus washed his disciples' feet in this whole series of events, right? Sometimes it's referred to as Holy Week. Well, what kicks off Holy Week is what's known as Palm Sunday. So this time last week, we had some palm branches up there. And it can just feel like, oh, just a bunch of religious routines and rituals. We just kind of walk through these different things. And, 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 okay, there's Palm Sunday. Well, on that day, what happened is Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the capital city, on a donkey. And people laid down branches, and they cried out, Hosanna, and all these things happened. Well, that actually wasn't even the first one. That wasn't the first triumphal entry. It was actually likely the seventh so before Jesus, at least six other people had ridden into Jerusalem proclaiming, declaring, we are going to topple 
Rome, this, this political situation that we're in is oppressive and is not the way it should be. And we're going to demand our rights and we're going to topple things and usher in a new way. And Jesus, or this Messiah, which means like Savior, is going to be the one to lead us to victory. And then, but he did things very differently. He did say he was ushering in a kingdom, but a very different one. In fact, he didn't like wield a sword. He actually, on that same day, he flipped over tables judging religious people who were oppressing, marginalized, overlooked people uh, through kind of financial injustice. And, and, and he, so he turned over those tables and then throughout that whole week he did things that blew people's minds that were categorically confusing. And then... In his like victorious stroke, right? Not with the sword, but with his life. He died on a cross. And his closest followers, who had left job, family, all kind, left political persuasion. He had people that were from the right and the left. And yet they, they, they said, okay, Jesus is going to be central. I'm going to follow him. And so they, they left everything they knew. And they said, my hope is found in Jesus. So they followed him, but then they saw him dead. And if you were here with us just a couple days ago on Good Friday, it was dark, it was somber, it, it, was, it was uncomfortable. And, and, and that's just a hint of what Jesus' closest followers were feeling. What now? So again, I want to ask, how did we go from around 12 scared hopeless friends of this crucified poor carpenter from a town in their day it would be like I don't know Gila Bend you know a, a, a town that you didn't really you weren't necessarily proud of okay to be in I love the gas station it's necessary right we get there right but we're like oh how did we go from that to where we are today Okay, that's the question we're going to walk through. And also, I just want to let you know, kind of out of the gates, that I have a stutter. And, 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 and I say that because as we walk through this question, we're going to look at a couple of passages in Scripture together. I want you to hear from me, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I don't come, and any of us who stand up here and preach to you, we don't come with eloquent speech or wisdom or looking fancy or whatever, like that's not what, what you should follow or trust in. But we proclaim to you nothing other than Jesus Christ and him crucified so that your faith will not be in the wisdom or eloquence of men, but in the power of God. Amen. So to that end, will you join me in praying as we trust that God will speak to us this morning? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning as a group of people with lots of different stories, lots of different mornings. We, some of us just got here, maybe some just woke up, maybe some have, were woken up throughout the night by children, maybe by phone calls, maybe by bad dreams, maybe by anxiety or worry. Whatever it is, we're here in this moment. And we're asking the question, what's different about today? 
Is it just bright colors and pastels and Easter egg hunts and ham? Or, or is there something, something that actually is true that, that you mean to inform and change and shape our lives? So again, we ask you to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's pick up in the story as we just read in Luke chapter 24 in verse 1. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, so that's Sunday, Sunday morning. Okay, the first day of the week was Sunday. I know we think it's Monday, but it was Sunday. The Sabbath, which was a day of rest, was on Saturday. So Jesus' closest followers couldn't go to the tomb. You, you were supposed to stay at home and observe the Sabbath, and there were all kinds of rules. So they, they stayed there, and, and they didn't go to the tomb. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, some of his followers ran there to see what had happened and to try to make sense of this tragedy they had just witnessed. Their rabbi, their master, their teacher, dead. So at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. So pause there for a moment. Okay, we don't want to just hurry through this story. They were perplexed, probably even unsettled in some ways. Okay, as, as I said earlier, they were expecting one thing. They were devastated that they had just seen Jesus crucified. And they started to make hope or make sense of this in some ways. Like, well, I guess we'll just go to the tomb. We'll bring some, some spices. We'll, 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 we'll try to honor him the best we can. Death is not the way it should be. It smells. Okay, I, 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 I share some of you know about, um, about 13 mo- months ago, I stood in the apartment where my older brother and sister-in-law had tragically died and and it was it was messy and ugly and 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 it smelled and they went in there and were expecting that smell they brought spices okay to try to cover that smell to try to again honor Jesus and and it, and, and yet they were perplexed because that's not what they met I don't know, some of us maybe who notice these things, some of you who come here more often know that this is a middle school and sometimes this auditorium has some kind of smell about it, (laughs) right? Again, if you came on Friday, Good Friday, it's called good, but it didn't feel very good. It was dark, there was a cello that was played very well, but kind of has an intentional kind of screechiness to it. You know, that it's like... Ah, this is a little uncomfortable. But then we come in here this morning and we have these stargazer lilies that uh, even if you have allergies, maybe you started sneezing. You're like, what? But you also can smell it. It's a strong smell. It smells different. It looks different. It feels different. And we know it's good, but it's unsettling. So they were looking for something. They were trying to make sense of the cards they've been dealt of the life that they were now living that was not the way they thought it should be. And they were perplexed. 
So I want to ask you, what are you looking for in life? Where are you looking for meaning, for hope, for security, for comfort, for companionship, for relationship? All of those are good things. But often we look in the wrong places. We look for, oh, once I have a wedding ring or children, biological children, my adult children now acting the way I think they should act, a job, a salary, we'll fill in the blank. I don't know what it is for all of us in this room, but we think once I have that, then I will have life. But I think there's a question that God would present to us that's the same question that these confused followers of Jesus were asked. In verse 5, as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Another way of that is, why are you looking for life where only death is found? He is not here, but he has risen. They were looking for life in places that could only deliver hopelessness, disappointment, frustration. But they said, you're, you're, you're looking to make sense of your situation, but you're not going to find it here. You're not going to find a dead body of Jesus that you can do the best with as you can. You can make sense of it. You can just keep keeping on because he's not here. He has risen. These disciples went to an empty tomb looking for Jesus' dead body, but they didn't find it. The, the message of the gospel, that means good news, is that that is hope for you. But, but I, I want to be honest with you. If you've never put your trust in Jesus, if you're here because it's Easter, because a friend invited you, I'm, I'm really glad. We're really glad you're here. I also don't want to just acknowledge, I don't want to assume that we're all here at the same place. You might look around, you see people holding their hands up or doing different things like that. Again, I want to ask for the question and acknowledge we're all looking for life. What are you looking for? These followers of Jesus went looking for an explanation and they didn't find it. Because Jesus had risen from the dead and suddenly everything changed. The author of this book was uh, of, of, of the book of John, actually. One of Jesus' closest followers, one of the first to discover him not in the tomb, was likely the only of Jesus' 12 disciples who didn't die a martyr death. He had been persecuted, he had been imprisoned, but he's likely the only one. All of these others went from scared to courageous because suddenly everything changed when they encountered Jesus risen from the dead. Let's look at one more person who encountered Jesus. Um, in the book of Acts, chapter 9, we'll have it up here on the screen, and I just want to read through this person, you might have heard of the Apostle Paul, but Saul, so that before his name was Paul, before Jesus changed his name, 
He didn't, he hadn't met Jesus. He was a religious fanatic, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's what followers of Jesus were referred to, Christians. If he found any Christians, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So pause there for a moment. This guy, Saul, was a religious elite. Okay, he went to Sunday school. He never skipped a Sunday. He knew all the right words. He knew when to stop singing because the band was just going to play instrumentally. And, you know, some of anyone else feel that when you're the one that belts it out and you're like, oh, we didn't know we were supposed to pause there. And everyone else paused and I'm the only one. Or I did not come from a Christian home myself. At the end of the service, we're going to close out a song, a worship song called the Doxology. The first time I ever heard it, I was about 20 years old, uh, standing next to my now wife at a church here in town. And everyone starts singing this kind of improvised, it felt like, kind of impromptu. And everyone just starts singing this song. They didn't have the words up on the screen. And I'm like, what is going on? I'd never heard this before. And, and it's, right, that kind of thing. And, and so, so this guy, Saul, hated people like that. He hated people that, that kind of seemingly had this, like, flippant posture, that, that this thing called grace these people that had abandoned Jesus, that did not deserve to be reconciled to God, did not deserve God's favor, but they all of a sudden had a joy and a boldness because they said they encountered Jesus risen from the dead and suddenly everything changed. And so this guy hated them. Maybe you are religious. And Maybe some of us here would be like, no, I'm not religious. But maybe it's not in a religious or like a spiritual context. But maybe that's just your approach to life. Maybe you wake up at 5. You go to bed at 8.30. Every day, like clockwork, you, you pull weeds on Saturday. And you mow the lawn. Unless you're in Tucson, you rake the dirt. Right? Right? You know you get your tires rotated exactly when they're supposed to be. You, you refill your gas tank whenever it's a half a tank. You know how life is supposed to be lived, and you judge the people that don't live that kind of way. That's religious. That's Saul. That's how he found life. That's how he made sense of life until suddenly everything changed. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said to him, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but Rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Why are you persecuting me? It's the same question. Why are you looking for life where it can't be found? You, you think it's going to be found in being religious. You think it's going to be found in doing all the things you think they're supposed to be done. But you're not going to find it there. 
It's going to feel like when you try to grasp water in your hands and it just comes slipping out of your hands. As I mentioned, my family and my family background, I, my, myself, I probably lean with those of us in here who, who like to check our tires and to keep our ducks in the row and make sure all the dishes are washed and beds are made. Amen, kids. You can attest to this. My own kids are here. Like, yeah, it gets kind of exhausting and tiring. And I can attest to you, it's exhausting. You can't keep up with it. You're, you're chasing the wind. It's futile, but members of my own family, I likely act that way because I'm probably overreacting to what's known as a kind of chaotic approach to life. And, oh, just kind of eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die and live and just take it in, you know, carpe diem. And I, that never, never, never satisfies and fulfills either. Wherever we are, we're looking for life where it can't be found. But Jesus' message, his call to you and to me, he says, come to me, follow me. Like he told Saul, I will show you the way, I will show you what you are to do. Like he told his disciples, trust me, I came to give you life, abundant life, full life, eternal life, hope-filled life life. This same guy, Saul, he wrote later, if Jesus didn't really raise from the dead, we are foolish. Okay, again, I want us to acknowledge right now in this moment, we are foolish for doing what we're doing right now. Pastels, you know, waking up early. Well, I'm talking to the 11 o'clock, so, right, we didn't wake up early. You know, coming in, stumbling in, whatever it is, wherever you are, if it's checking off the boxes because you're religious and you're doing all the right things, like it's foolish. There are better things. You should be keeping up with the stock market right now, right? You should be, you should be washing every last dish or cleaning every last corner or whatever it is, keeping all your ducks in a row and doing that. Or if you're on the other side of the equation and you were out, you know, hitting the bars last night and partying, you should be sleeping off your bender from last night because, you know, there's more fun to be had Today, that's what Paul actually said, is eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Like, we're foolish. What we're doing, there's no benefit to it. It's, it's kind of ridiculous if you look at it from an outside perspective. Unless Jesus rose from the dead. If he rose from the dead, and he did. Okay, look at me. I'm telling you right now. What, what in a few moments as we sing songs and respond will lead me to tears because of the reality of the good news that though some of my family members have looked for life in numbing pain through drugs and have lost their life because of some of my other family members who eventually gave in to the pressures of trying to keep all the ducks in the row and eventually it just came crashing in. For those who have put their trust in Jesus, and thankfully some have, the good news is Jesus wins. The good news is though we look for life where it will never ultimately satisfy, for those of us who put our trust in Jesus we will run out of the grave. 
we will look at pain and sorrow and, and, and depression and fear and sadness and say it's real right now. But it's not the end of the story. I don't even get how it's not the end of the story. But because Jesus died, because God demonstrates his love, and that while we were yet sinners, undeserving rebels, Jesus died for us. We know he's good. And because he rose from the dead, we know he's also powerful. He's kind and he's in control. Because of that, we respond in worship and trust and hope. He is not here, but he has risen. He is in control and he is on the throne. So church, let's respond. Okay, so let's pray together right now and then prepare to celebrate the good news that Jesus is alive. Again, Father, we come before you. We come wherever we are. We come before you. Jesus, you are alive. Right now, your, your gaze is fixed on this room. You are sovereign enough. You are powerful enough. I don't pretend, we don't pretend to understand it. Somehow, as other congregations, as other individuals are, are looking at you or not, all over the world, your gaze is fixed upon your people. You're calling people who are wandering away from you, looking for life apart from you, and you are gently and lovingly and yet firmly calling back to you. You are directing our gazes to you to find hope and restoration and peace. So I pray that you lead us now to respond to your good news. Amen.